The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn. Welcome, everyone. Our guest today is Tim Bottenfield, Chief Information Officer for the state of Montana. Welcome to Ask the CIO SLED edition, our state and local show, Tim. It's nice to have you on the air. It's great to be here, John. Thank you so much for the invitation and the chance to chat with you today. Well, I appreciate it as well. Uh, before we get started on your IT issues and plans and, of course, the coronavirus issues, our listeners like to hear about our guest background. And, you know, doing this job, I've really uh, come across some real surprises in terms of backgrounds. I know one of our first interviews was with uh, uh, James Collins in Delaware, and he was a dental technician in the Air Force. <laughs> And uh, John McMillan in Pennsylvania was an IT uh, tech for the Canadian Department of Defense. And then last spring, we had uh, in Massachusetts, my old stomping grounds, Kurt Wood. We had him come in studio, and he began his career in prison. We got a kick out of that one. Not as a convict, he was a correctional officer. So it really runs the, uh, the full gamut here. And uh, I know I'd like to, you to tell us about your career before your appointment. Uh, in 2018 by uh, Governor Bullock. It's quite a compelling and interesting one as well. I, be, I believe you may be the first forest science expert to reach the ranks of the CIOs. That, that very well may be true, John. I appreciate that little introduction. And uh, those other gentlemen that you mentioned, I know them all through the National Association of State CIOs, and they're all great guys. I might date myself a little bit because I kind of feel like Folks that are of my generation that have kind of gotten to this level or have excelled in the IT world, many of us didn't start out uh, in that discipline. And that's certainly my case. I, I think a lot of us started out in maybe data-driven type fields. Um, and that's why we ended up in IT. That's at least uh, one of my theories. Um, but yes, I indeed started out in forestry. And I went to a great institution in Michigan, the Michigan Tech University, and was able to uh, get two degrees there, a Bachelor of Science degree in forest management and a Master of Science in forest biometrics. A lot of times when I mention my background in forestry, I get this like raised eyebrow look from people uh, and until I kind of remind them that uh, forestry uh, is a science and uh, very data-driven. And uh, I think that's really how I got connected to IT, just kind of morphing into more of an IT role, uh, supporting my education. And then when I went on to work for Auburn University, I was uh, a research associate doing forest research and ultimately ended up as an IT manager, uh, spent my first career at Auburn University and um, was able to be very blessed to come out to Montana in 2011 and uh, first started with the Department of Revenue, spent about seven years with the department, and then was uh, very honored to be asked by Governor Bullock to serve as the state CIO in 2018. Uh, I'm curious, though, about your trip from uh, Auburn to Helena, uh, that appointment in DOR. How did that come about? You know, I had traveled out west on uh, several occasions uh, in my early life, and uh, actually was I think it's more of a connection to mountains in general. Um, I was born in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, lived in Shippensburg, which is uh, really the, at the foot of the Appalachian 
Trail in the Appalachian Mountains and was introduced to that kind of lifestyle as a very, very young lad. And I think that stuck with me, kind of had the mountain blood in me. So I spent 25 years and loved every year down in Alabama, but always had the hankering to kind of get to some lofty uh, place, uh, at least where I could live and, and enjoy the mountains. And so I was able to retire from Auburn after uh, 25 years of service there and had the, uh, uh, I guess, the gumption to just pack up and move. And took a little bit of guts. I had still had a one, one of my sons at home at the time, and it was a little bit of a disruption of his lifestyle, but it all worked out very well for him as well. And uh, mm -hmm. so my, my son and wife, we picked up and moved out here and uh, were really accepted. Montanans by nature are very hospitable people and uh, never felt out of place and uh, have been just very, very pleased with that, with that move uh, almost about, about nine years ago. And so, and you just applied, applied for a job with the state? Is that how it happened? Yes, I did. I had officially retired from Auburn, and I was actually utilizing my forestry background. Uh, my wife and I owned an 80-acre tree farm, and uh, so I was working very diligently on that every day, but I was prepping for a move and uh, just waiting for the right uh, opportunity to come by and uh, the opportunity to move out to Montana and work for the Department of Revenue came up and it was just a perfect fit. It just was perfect. The folks were great, the job was great, and uh, it was a great training ground for me to be able to, to move into that next step as the state CIO. Yeah, well tell me about that now. So obviously uh, that's probably a, an appointment by the governor and your, the uh, Secretary of Administration uh, how did that come about? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the seven years, again, was great training ground, um, was able to build a lot of relationships, was able to come out and gain a, a real good understanding of state government and how it worked. But I think the thing that probably prepared me the most was something that I'm very passionate about, and that's business relationship management. So within the Department of Revenue, I was able to kind of hone my skills, I guess, internally working with the various divisions in the department i really felt like that's the best way that i could be successful in the job that i'm in and providing it services to a department and that worked out very well was able to solidify some good partnerships there and uh, provide that leadership within that department all the while uh, of course i was connected to the broader, bigger picture of the enterprise, so to speak, of Montana state government through various means. We have things like the Information Technology Board, the Information Technology Managers Council. So those were areas that I could participate in and develop partnerships and an appreciation for uh, what was going on across the landscape in Montana when it came to uh, IT supporting the business. So I think that's how I kind of was able to get poised to move into this role is to kind mm -hmm. of just really work on those business relationship skills. And that's, I think, the most important thing that I brought to the job. Yeah, those are critical issues. You know, I, I read where you were as part of the pandemic in your cabin in the uh, Glacier National Park, I believe. Uh, uh, that's quite a bucolic setting for dealing with this. But uh, tell us a little bit about the impact in uh, Montana. I uh, read where it's, it's one of the lowest per capita infection rates in the country. I think you've only had about a couple of dozen people that have died in the whole state. So tell us about the impact on you in particular on your on the government in general. 
you know, there's a lot to talk about there. Uh, we could spend hours, I think, talking about it now that we've had uh, really three, almost four months to reflect on what's happened. I am coming to you today from my cabin, which is not quite in the park. It's just across the street. But I have been working remotely from up here uh, really since March 17th. And I've only been down to Helena twice since then on a couple weekends. So it's worked out very well. We might get into broadband issues and things of that nature down the road in this discussion, but my connectivity rate here is 0.5 megabits per second. Everything works great. I mean, we have fully adopted DDI technology and with the low bandwidth that I've got here, it's worked out just fine. And I haven't really missed a beat and feel like I'm actually more productive this way, which a mm -hmm. lot of people, I think, are feeling that way as well. Sure. Did you run into the usual problems that other states have had with uh, other CIOs, I should say, that, you know, having enough devices for remote work and having the appropriate uh, telecommunication licenses and software, et cetera, security issues? Yeah, well, that, you able to address that? I think... Yes, absolutely. I was going to kind of move right into that anyway, and I, I'm glad you asked it because I'm really proud of the fact that Montana was really ready for this. Of course, we didn't know if we were ready for something like this because uh, it's never happened before. But really, after about the first week, we were able to um, have everybody that needed to be working remotely um, connected and working appropriately. I think due to the fact that we had multiple solutions available, whether that was via VPN or, or DDI, for folks just utilizing O365 in the cloud. Um, all of those things combined with the fact that our infrastructure, our networking infrastructure was sound and capable of handling the numbers of people that were moving off site. Tim, we'll have to take a short break now. Our guest today is Tim Bottenfield, CIO for the state of Montana. You're listening to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. Welcome back to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guest today is Tim Bottenfield, Chief Information Officer for the state of Montana. Tim, I interrupted you there to take the break, but I were just telling us about the uh, resources you brought to bear having a remote workforce that you, like uh, most folks around the country in the last two or three months. Yeah, thank you, John. Um, just to continue on with that uh, line of thinking and discussion, we, we were pretty well prepared. We had the, the right tools in place and we were fully uh, suited for licensing and things of that nature. There's a couple things that we had to shore up on, but we were able to do that in pretty short order. But our networking infrastructure was sound. It was capable of handling the numbers of folks that went um, remote. And let's remember, we have a very small workforce compared to some of the other states. So we had that as a huge advantage for us. What is the size six, of your workforce? 16,000 people are pretty much uh, full-time uh, FTEs in the state. And mm -hmm. so, you know, that's not a large number. That's probably on the smaller end of most uh, state governments. Having a population in Montana of just over a million people. Although our challenge uh, at times is the breadth and scope and the size of our state. We're the fourth largest state in the nation. So when you consider that, that's where we have some logistical problems. But I continue to take my hat off to my predecessors, some of the folks that are currently on my staff, the chief technology officer and uh, chief information security officer, and many of the leadership folks that we have, because they really 
were able to create an environment over the years uh, to where we were able to do this. We have two state-of-the-art data centers, and I'm appreciative to the legislature 10 plus years ago that not only appropriated funds for us to build those, but they've enabled us to keep those state-of-the-art. And, and when I say state-of-the-art, I really emphasize that. I think we have a private cloud environment within the state that rivals uh, any other that exists. And I think that helped us as well. Yeah, I want to talk about that in a little bit. Tell us about your uh, your office, how your office is organized in state government. I'm, I'm getting into the whole CIO governance issue, which I kind of have a passion for. So where are you in the organization chart? I found it interesting that both you and apparently your boss, uh, uh, John Lewis, the administration director, you're both listed as part of the governor's cabinet. Tell us a little bit more about that and the situation of the organization. Yeah, I, I would be curious about what you find out about how all the other states are organized. I don't know if we are unique or if it's common or not, but my division of about 180 individuals, and I would say that we could describe ourselves as kind of like the central IT group within the state. We're fully consolidated on the infrastructure side, but we're still distributed as a state when it comes to personnel. So all of the various agencies still have IT staff. Um, mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a hybridized way to look at it with respect to consolidation. We're in the Department of Administration. And so mm -hmm. I do answer directly to the department director, uh, Director Lewis. But I'm also appointed by the governor, which mm -hmm. means I serve on the cabinet. Um, so I kind of have a dual reporting role to where I will report to the governor's office. And that is generally through the chief of staff, uh -huh. which most of the other uh, directors of sure. agencies do as well. Sure. Well, that's interesting. I would say that's probably the most common uh, CIO governance model in the country. In fact, that's the one that I had when I was CIO in Massachusetts. My boss was uh, the director of the Department of Administration Finance, Charlie Baker, who's now Charlie's now governor in Massachusetts. So it was interesting that uh, I think talking to uh, Doug Robinson, as you know, our friend and uh, director of NASIO, uh, he tells me there's a 12 or 13 CIOs now that report uh, directly to the governor and, and are members of the cabinet. And it's interesting, you kind of have uh, uh, a situation that's similar to California. California, uh, the CIO reports into a cabinet secretary but is also considered, uh, you know, is invited to cabinet meetings. So the relationship is uh, is evolving, as as we as we like to say. I think the the most important thing, though, in my mind, and something I'll talk to you about a little bit, is the fact that you need that a strong CIO governance uh, position. And you sound like you have it. You have uh, you have budget authority. You have infrastructure operational authority, and I would assume you have a lot of policy authority. Is that true? Yes, that's absolutely true. Um, I think the position is, I think it's pretty well suited for the state of Montana organizationally and functionally. There is a considerable amount of authority in terms of like project oversight and spending authority and um, all IT purchases really have to go through my office uh, statewide. So there is, especially for the executive branch agencies. So we have some statutory uh, authority that was granted to us, and that's primarily through MEDA, which is the Montana Information Technology Act. 
so that's been great to be able to have that in place. But you know, just having something like that in place doesn't solve all your problems. You really have to be able to be out there and you know, partner with the agencies to yeah. have that full information. And, and I think yeah. that's that's always the challenge. And nobody wants to just wield a, you know, a hammer or a piece of paper over somebody's head and say, I've got this authority. I, that's not the way that yeah. I operate. And I know that that's not successful to, to be that way. So we, yeah. we try our best not to do that. Although it is, it is awfully nice when you're CIO to have a, a statute backing you up in terms of your authority. <laughs> that is true. I will, I will grant you that. That's always nice to be able to fall back yeah. on. And not to mention the uh, active support of the, CEO, whether it's the governor or the cabinet secretary, the critic, two, two critical elements, elements of, as far as I'm concerned. I know I can tell, share a quick story. When I was trying to consolidate data centers in Massachusetts, and I mentioned before, Charlie Baker was the administrative secretary, who I knew really well and got along with really well, but it was uh, kind of a, uh, they had built a new data center over in Chelsea, right across the Mystic River uh, from the city of Boston. And it was going to be a co-location data center. They weren't going to consolidate anything. They were building walls and everybody had their own printers and everybody had their own storage areas. It was going to be totally isolated. And I fought for a year and a half finally to get it to be a real true consolidation. And I can remember a, you know, a hallway conversation with Charlie when I, would, when I was battering him about, the, hey, we've got to get behind this thing. And he says, John, you're the only one that wants this thing to be consolidated. <laughs> And I said, I'll take that as a compliment. I have yet, in my experience in two states, I've never yet met a, uh, you know, a data center manager that uh, wanted to give up authority. Uh, in fact, right. my, I was telling this story the other day about when I was trying to do it in Massachusetts. I did it somewhat in, in California as well. I, uh, and none of the data center managers reported to me at the time. So I, I told the story where how, they, how did I get it, get it to happen? I said, well, I called each one of the data centers managers into my office and swore them to secrecy and confidentiality. And I told them that they would be the new general manager of the consolidated data center. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, that's not all. That's not too far from the truth to tell you. It was really, uh, I've used every, every trick in the book to try to make that happen. But anyway, I'm taking yeah, so up too much time here. I want to hear about what you're doing. One of the things that I did read about, and you kind of, uh, you mentioned it when you talked about the data centers. Uh, and that is your uh, your consolidation, and also the fact that you looked at some uh, uh, partnering with the neighboring states. And I said, oh my God, you know, I, I interviewed uh, uh, Jessica Jones uh, in Arkansas not too long ago, and she and Bo Reese in Oklahoma actually implemented, they had their backups in, in the opposite states. So it's interesting to see that interstate cooperation that, uh, uh, that can be so helpful. And you, uh, actually looked at something like that, I believe, in Montana. Well, we, ha we do um, have some other uh, organizations and government entities that have uh, some of their backup and DR in our data centers. Uh, Oregon comes to mind. Um, we also have some local governments that are participating as well in the, in the data centers. So we, we do kind of uh, shop our wares around to a certain extent to make sure that we're getting the full benefit out of those data centers. And that's worked out well. And I think the having those partnerships with uh, especially states is beneficial because we can continue to learn from each other and, and share uh, ideas as well. So uh, 
we're pretty proud of the fact that we can keep those data centers really up and running and humming and um, really continue to keep them state of the art. And I think that's mm -hmm. the key. We just have to keep up with the times with them to make sure that they're that we're getting our value out of them. You know, you made a lot of news around the country with your uh, retirement, so I guess would be the word, of your uh, mainframe. I believe I read where that's on schedule to occur early next year. Tell us a little bit more about that process and, and the status of, the, uh, of that. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I think this probably has to go back at least one CIO before me and maybe two. I think the writing was on the wall that um, it was not going to be sustainable for us to maintain our mainframe services. You know, again, being a small state, uh, I think a lot of the agencies were starting to, you know, kind of divest themselves off of our main mainframe services. So as that started to come to fruition, you know, maybe going back 10 years ago and you know, each year there'd be somebody that's dropping off the mainframe and moving their services to some other platform. Uh, it became apparent that it was not going to be cost effective. So there was a concerted effort and a plan put in place uh, prior to me taking this uh, position by someone who you might know, my predecessor, Ron Baldwin. Sure. Uh, that was put into place. And, um, you know, I've been kind of carrying the football here for two years on that uh, project and we're on target to have the two remaining agencies have their system uh, off by, uh, well, actually almost one year to the date because it'll be at the end of uh, this next fiscal year and we yeah. are at the end of the fiscal year today. Mm -hmm. So uh, as we go into FY22, uh, we'll no longer have a mainframe up and running and those Department of Health and Human Services and the Department of Justice who still have those remaining services there they will be on different platforms and it'll be retired so right. try to figure out what to do well listen with that we're going to have to conclude our program today i want to thank our guest tim bottenfield chief information officer for the state of montana tim thanks for taking the time to be with us it was very enjoyable and very interesting well john i i thank you very much it was a real um honor to be asked to participate on your show today and i've enjoyed it immensely thank you and hopefully we can see you in the fall NASIO conference, but I just noticed today uh, that they're uh, studying whether or not we're gonna have the, the fall uh, annual conference because of the pandemic. So keep our fingers crossed. I wanna thank all of you for listening. Content from the state and local program, which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly and other more esteemed authors as part of the recently expanded askthecio.com. Hope you can join us again each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time or listen to a podcast afterwards. Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn. You've been listening to Ask the CIO, SLED Edition with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.